All right, episode number five of the Kevin Rook Show. Here we go. Today I had a very special guest. Uh, it is my first time on this show interviewing a public company CEO, and it just happens to be the CEO of the world's first public lightning network company. That is uh, CEO Sean Anstey of Liquid, that's L-Q-W-D. Uh, they trade on the Toronto Stock Exchange Venture, and they are a lightning service provider. So in this conversation, we had a lot of time to chat about their Bitcoin buying strategy they've been accumulating over the last few months, um, their business as a lightning service provider and exactly what that means, and then the future of the lightning network and, and where, where Sean thinks it's headed. Um, apologies in advance, there is a bit of audio glitching throughout the episode, that's my bad. Um, still getting the hang of the uh, podcasting game, but there's a ton of insight into this in this episode, so I hope you enjoy it. And uh, looking forward to seeing any questions or comments, you can send them over the Lightning Network. Just download a Lightning Podcasting app, and we will do the Lightning Round at the end of the show. Sean, welcome to uh, episode five of the show. Um, why don't we start off with you telling listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and why you decided to start Liquid. Well, thank you for having me on, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, myself, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a journey through Bitcoin. I've been in Bitcoin since uh, 2012. I've uh, been in tech for, you know, way before that, internet technologies and building up data centers and analytics products and <laughs> what have you. Uh, and so coming to Bitcoin, it was actually, a, kind of came to it honestly. We looked at it and realized it's just an extension of the internet and just a continuation of all the stuff that we've been working on. And, and it was a natural, you know, digital money for the internet. You could see it right away. Uh, so I didn't have this long process for me to sort of figure it out, but only because of the industry I was in. Uh, so, but since that time, we built out, I did mining myself, built out industrial Bitcoin mines for clients, uh, for a client, um, and, and started another company called, uh, which is now called Big Digital Assets. And that actually is a combination of a compliance company. So it was blockchain intelligence group. Some of your, some people may be familiar with it, some maybe not. We compete with Chainalysis, Elliptic, uh, and combine that with an exchange. Uh, we made an acquisition of public markets in 2017, and it's now one of Canada's uh, largest exchanges, and it's fully uh, fully compliant, fully regulated, and licensed as of a couple months ago across the country. So we had a big vision of where we, um, you know, I'm a very pragmatic person looking at what sort of what needs to be done in the industry, and, and certainly you know dealing with anti money laundering and bringing how do you how do you marry traditional finance with the, what's coming up here as this phase of Bitcoin, um, which has been the state phase we have to get through, and all the um, we've done a lot of education to regulators and, and, and law enforcement and, and the entire space over years and years, and it's all culminated in, in having a uh, um, an excellent company of big digital assets, which is uh, uh, running Netcoins.ca, uh, which some people may be using. We're happy if you are, and uh, I'm still with that company there as a director and on lar and largest shareholder. But since two, after that acquisition in 2019. Uh, we, I was keeping a very close eye on Lightning Network and really uh, just felt for a long time that Lightning Network was going to be the trigger that's going to really take Bitcoin into option to the next level and want to be a part of it. So uh, my strategy typically is to go a little bit earlier in the space and uh, and not, not too early, but enough where I can start to marry value with capital markets and because uh, I have a good understanding for tech and then and build, 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 and then eventually the capital markets wake up and you're in the right place at the right time. Uh, to get in front of the money and get in front of the opportunities and then continue to build. So uh, now we, we went public, the liquid went public, LQWD on the Toronto Stock Exchange, we went public in June. Uh, it was a long process, but we have a, an excellent team that got us through. It's not our first time in the public markets. 
uh, we've had success with BIG on BIGG. Um, and so since then we've been, uh, we raised 13 million and continue to, to buy Bitcoin aggressively and, and put all of our uh, corporate assets and corporate resources towards uh, building out uh, where we see we can add a lot of value to the Lightning Network and support the, the ecosystem. Right. I've got a lot of questions about the Lightning Network for you, but maybe to start off, what is it about being a public company? Because I think you're the first public Lightning Network company, and, and I think still the only public Lightning Network company. The only public company, <laughs> exactly. We're not focused on anything but Lightning Network. Yeah. So so what is it about being public? Was that a strategic decision? Why, why go public now? And what was the reasoning behind that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're on the, we're on the venture market, which is designed for startups. Uh, we've had success in the, in the capital market. So BIGG, my former company, hit a billion dollar market cap in the last spring. Uh, and, and it's, you know, it's throwing off money and revenue. So we have a lot of happy, there's happy shareholders there and people who have followed me to this venture. And so if you could, you know, the goal is to marry the capital markets and bring in as much Wall Street money as you can, convert it to Bitcoin and drive the Lightning Network forward. And, and, and pull all the levers of the, of the public markets. Now, it's not for just every startup to do. You can't just do this as a 24-year-old walking in and think you're going you're gonna to do it. You actually have to have an experienced team. There's a lot of nuances to it. But if it's done right, it brings um, it can bring season management, season capital markets to, to the, the resource space, to the space, and, uh, and a lot of credibility. We have, uh, unlike a lot of companies, we have you know actual board of directors. We have auditors who audit us quarterly and regularly. Uh, we have you know, the regulators who we, we deal with on an ongoing basis, and we have the Toronto Stock Exchange who we have to report to. Uh, so there's all kinds of reporting levels that happen there, and the goal is to create more transparency uh, and and create that confidence for people to get to to get into the space. Now you're going to see investors. Uh, our, a lot of our investors they they invest our company because one they like the management team. Um, We've had track record, uh, but they also get exposure to Bitcoin and they, they know there's a potential upside and, and big upside with Lightning Network. So it gives them that, that ability to, uh, to get all exposure to all three. Uh, and for us, it gives us the ability to tap into uh, uh, the capital markets to grow aggressively. And, uh, and, and some of our playbook in the past, my past when I was, uh, when I was leading uh, BAGG was you know, we, we, we had our compliance company. We raised $23 million in the public markets. And during the bear market, the crypto winter, we... we uh, thanks to our bankers and others, we we got together when we bought Netcoins and we combined the two together. And and so being able to make an acquisition of the public markets, it really propelled the company forward, and we were able to use the share price and or whatever what what had you to to make that. So we're going to follow the same mindset, same strategy that worked for us before, and uh, that's that's our intent. And we're going to just like I said, bring as pull as many Wall Street levers as we can to bring as much capital and resources to drive the Lightning Network adoption forward. Yeah. Is it a uh, is it a fair comparison? I, I see a lot of similarities between your strategy and MicroStrategy's playbook um, of just basically trying to accumulate as much money to buy as much Bitcoin as possible. But you guys have that one extra lever where you, where you're then using the Bitcoin. You mentioned in a couple of filings that it is not only a reserve asset, it is also an operational asset, and that kind of differentiates you. Can you can you speak to how that works and and what those two kind of mean? Absolutely. So you know, we you know we we. We mentioned when we do our capital raises, we, we try to buy as much Bitcoin as we, we can with it while well, leaving some reserves to continue to grow the company. Uh, we want it on our book as, an, as, an, as a reserve asset. We certainly believe in Bitcoin have for a long time. Um, but we have the added caveat that because we are running you know, and setting up routing nodes and building on our platform, 
we have a use and a future use for that Bitcoin itself. And why that's important is because the regulators, and I, certainly in Canada, I've had this experience, they will come ask why you're buying so much Bitcoin. They don't want you to become um, an, you know, uh, an exchange traded fund effectively. They, they don't want you to go down that path. All you're doing is buying Bitcoin and acting like a fund. Uh, so they will ask you why you're using it. And when we have a legitimate re use case for it, uh, and so that's um, so it allows us to continue to accumulate Bitcoin because we intend to put as much of it uh, onto the Lightning Network as possible and and look to earn yield, even though the yield is small right now and the transaction fees are, are very low. Uh, we see that uh, being a volume based game as the as the value of the Lightning Network unlocks and eventually the yields will, will trend up a bit till it gets more normalized and it will be it will become uh, um, the place to be uh, for Bitcoin. Right. And so do you think that um, because you're using the Bitcoin and you're going to be earning some some level of yield on it, do you think that's a more appealing um, opportunity for investors than uh, something like a micro strategy where they, they're basically saying, like, give us your money so we can go buy Bitcoin. And it seems like that play is almost a, you know, it's investors giving money to micro strategy because they can't access Bitcoin themselves. Whereas yours seems to be like, people are buying it with the added bonus of getting some potential yield um, in the future. 100%, yeah, for sure. So we're, they, they certainly look at it as like, we have all the upside of Lightning Network, we have the upside for, for yield earn uh, as we continue to build up the, our portion of the network. And, and of course, we still have it as reserve assets. So you, so you get all three. And I do think in the future, you're going to see companies like MicroStrategy and others, there's going to be demand from shareholders to earn yield. And so we we are looking at the you know, possibilities of opening our platform up later on where we can absorb Bitcoin from other institutions, other companies, and help share in the yield and then allow us to put more Bitcoin to work on the network uh, and give them some kind of a, uh, a yield-based product back. And that, that's something we're, we're, we'll take some time because we'll have to work with our auditors and, uh, and legal on that in terms of how we can get that done. But we see that as a possibility in the future for sure. And I see shareholders absolutely demanding that they're going to get some yield if the yield is possible. Now, I see that the, the yield on Lightning Network, it's very similar to like a, a money market fund. So it's very low. But when we look at risk, there's no direct counterparty risk in the sense that you're lending it out to an individual. There's technology risk and another unknown risk in terms of the, where the tech could go. But you don't have that direct lending uh, risk where you're you know, based on somebody's credit uh, and where it could be. But as the network matures, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Right. So let's talk a little bit about the, the operational side of the business here. What was, how has this evolved over time? What, the moment you decided you wanted to build on the Lightning Network to today, how has your thinking about the network evolved? And how has, how has the, you've obviously seen incredible growth in the last few months. How, has that changed the business at all? I'd love to hear more about that. Has a little bit. I mean, we have our platform as a service, which allows, you know, companies to get on the, on the, on the Lightning Network very easily. And we've rolled that out and we're continuing to, you know, make it more enterprise. We made a deliberate decision to make sure it's focused focused B2B. We're not interested in just general consumers or, or developers. We're very specific. Our first client, of course, is one I'm connected with, which is Netcoin. We announced Netcoins um, coming onto our platform in agreement with them. And at some point, they will integrate Lightning Network. And what they want is our platform and our APIs and connected to our, our, our routing and liquidity. And, and we make it very easy. So they, that's a kind of company that can generate lots of volume. And that's what we're interested in from a business perspective. We're interested in more companies like that and that's all we're going to go after uh, we'll let the rest of the market do what it needs to do but we want to bring the bigger players on by giving them that you know the public company credibility combined with you know the, the enterprise infrastructure and liquidity that we can we can um, dovetail into their operations to allow them to accept the uh, light 
network deposits. And we'll see more and more of that as it comes up, I believe. Right. And so, so for example, Netcoins is the, the idea that for them, they're going to be able to use you as the liquidity source for, for their Lightning integration and basically never have to worry about balancing channels and managing liquidity. Is that the idea? Yeah, that's the idea for sure. So certainly we, we take care of a, most of that uh, and they just want to be able to accept deposits via Lightning Network and, and withdrawals via Lightning Network. And I think as you get more and more Bitcoin on the Lightning Network, it gets more and more mature. Uh, you have more and more, it, there's going to be more changes using it. And, and I think you're going to have, uh, you know, that arbitrage going across it and, and actually better price discovery because the price will be smoothed out because uh, you can move Bitcoin very quickly to take advantage of price discrepancies between exchanges. So that, that'll play out over the next three years um, as, as the network matures. And, and really, you know, one of the things that we look at is, you know, I really feel that big, you know, we always talk about Bitcoin's iPhone moment. You know, if you hear this thing, what's Bitcoin's, what's going to be Bitcoin's iPhone moment? And people, oh, it's, it's digital gold, or we're hodling it, we're all these different things. At the end of the day, I was talking to, you know, Roy or Breeze, and, and he keeps talking about, you know, the need for convertibility like it is in El Salvador, where it's actually, you can convert it to, you know, buying a taco. You can convert all these different real use cases where it becomes real money. And the Lightning Network actually enables that. And uh, and my comment back to him, and I was just, you know, I See that the Lightning Network is Bitcoin's iPhone moment, but the real trigger will be when uh, liquidity and channel management and channel rebalancing is seamless. And once that is solved, once that issue is solved over the next year, year and a half, uh, that will be Bitcoin's iPhone moment. And there'll be no looking back. And the network will have true massive scalability and real use. Interesting. Um, beyond just exchanges, do you see any other enterprises that are like chomping at the bit to get on Lightning or, or do you think that it would make an appealing use case for anyone outside of an exchange right now? Uh, it's certainly outside of an exchange. We got you know, the remittances, the gaming market. Uh, but as you go into like, you know, the places like El Salvador, Nigeria, where you have a lot of peer-to-peer -peer trading uh, going on for different use cases, uh, I think that's going to continue to take off there. Uh, I was going to say like Lightning, but <laughs> no, no pun was intended. But it, it, it is clearly a huge use case there and you're seeing more and more of it. Uh, and, and I think that's where you're going to get it. One of the things we look at, yes, in you know, North America, we have an ec a stable economic model here in terms of you can tap your credit card, it's instant payment, all the, yes, behind the scenes, there's a bit of a, um, a messy settlement structure, which will continue to evolve. Um, but it's, it's certainly these places where you're desperate for harder money, you're desperate for economic sovereignty. First time ever, if you have a smartphone, you can actually do banking and peer-to-peer -peer trading, and you can have something else. Um, you know, you're not afraid of your currency. And that's certainly if you're in Turkey or Nigeria, even places where the currency is just getting, you know, constantly devalued and you're under threat. Um, you know, Bitcoin is not volatile. It's actually it's a it's a safe, safe place to be, and you you want it on all costs. So uh, that peer-to-peer -peer trading over Lightning Network will continue to take off in those kind of places. And do you think that over time? Um, you know, this retail audience or this like peer-to-peer -peer audience will eventually migrate to something like a liquid. Um, maybe not, you know, if you guys are enterprise focused, but something like that to manage liquidity or um, what are your thoughts on? No, I don't think the retail will go so much for that. Yeah, if we had a retail facing wallet, perhaps, uh, and certainly we're, we're open to, you know, acquisition ideas. Uh, we've, we've said that before, if that ever came up, we'd, we'd look at that, that space. We're focused right now strictly on B2B uh and and empowering other companies that are facing you know consumers uh, to that so we we know where the volume is and we provide that that back end and we um it, it does control how much support we have to provide if we're not we're not a, a specialized hosting company with a thousand thousand 
clients at $5 a month, where you still have to have 10 people on staff. We just want to deal with the, the bigger players and, and certainly let the consumer market play out. But it, like I said, in the future, you never know as a public company, we'll acquire our strategic acquisition where it makes sense. And we may get into that, um, but it would have to be a, a pure play on the Lightning Network. Right. So for Lightning service providers, um, I'd love to kind of dig into the revenue and like how, how this turns into like a, a business uh, and grows as the network grows, right? Like, is it, do you, do you view revenue on the Lightning Network as like earning from routing fees or is it more going to be a, like a SaaS based model where you're kind of like earning recurring subscriptions from customers? Uh, actually, a little bit of both. I mean, I really care about routing fees more than anything initially, and we care about the size of our footprint on the network. So we'll actually have part of our, we did our targets and goals yesterday, our updated targets and goals in terms of, you know, what percentage of the network could we actually be and where we're heading to, how much Bitcoin we have to deploy it. Uh, I think our, our current 150 Bitcoin represents 5%, but eventually we, we intend to acquire more and more and, and be a bigger part of the network. And we see the fees normalizing. So we actually see that part of the business um, being very important because we, as it grows, as the Lightning Network takes off and has its double, triple digit growth and then some, and then it's compounded, uh, that's the kind of thing where, you know, you, you just add gasoline to your network and you simply have, you know, massive revenue and, and transaction volume acceleration. That's what we're looking for. The platform as a service, yes, there's a, there's a SaaS model there. Um, and we kind of look at Infura, for, for example, Infura over on, a, on the Ethereum network where they have a a really, really great API. A lot of people use them, um, and they they charge enterprises, you know, a thousand a month uh, for all these services, and 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 then some. And and you can start to see how some of the numbers add up there to create sort of a baseline revenue and and sort of a consistent revenue you could you can keep off of. But I see the catalyst being being routing fees, and certainly the network going to where we feel it's going, being that Bitcoin iPhone moment where the transaction volume will massively accelerate at some point. Uh, that's where we want to play. How about something like a like a lightning pool? Uh, for, for anyone listening who isn't familiar, service for basically nodes to lease liquidity to other nodes that need inbound capacity. Um, right now, I actually saw a dashboard the other day that it said like uh, the APR on uh, lease is right around 5% right now. Do you think that is a market that Liquid wants to participate in? Is that something that Liquid builds on its own? Is this... Is this relevant to you guys? No, I think we uh, we definitely you know like labs their pool there. I think uh, we have intentions of participating, and we will buy channels and and and, and sell channels. We'll get into that market. We've we've already sort of dabbled into a little bit and had some discussions with uh, um, with other people in the industry uh, who run these things. I don't see us necessarily running our own pool, but certainly if we have enough routes, enough liquidity, enough channels, uh, then we can we can be in the marketplace as an anchor tenant. Um, and on, on either buy and sell. So that's, that's certainly a part of our future. I can, we can see that coming. Um, and it's, it's definitely one of the solutions that'll help make uh, liquidity and, and channel rebalancing uh, seamless um, for the future. And we'll see that we'll see that that tech continue to morph itself out and that liquidity and uh, channel balancing issue will be resolved at some point in time. And, and it's gonna be a really big, a big thing for the Lightning Network. Yeah. Now, I, I run a node at my place, a little umbral kind of DIY node. And to me, the process of like liquidity management, opening channels and closing channels, it's a bit of a black box. Like I, I feel like I'm guessing, I feel like I don't know what's gonna happen. I wake up in the morning, I routed a bunch of fees. You know, I, I just don't, I, there's no way for me to predict what's gonna happen. It feels very um, difficult to, 
to grasp and to, you know, to, to head in a particular direction. Like how do I grow my node? Right. Um, so how do you think about that with this, you know, you've got 150 Bitcoin now at liquid, you're moving someone to lightning network, you're establishing nodes. What's the thought process you're using to figure out where to deploy that capital? I mean, certainly, you know, we, we look at initially the kind of customers we want to bring in and, and make sure that we're connected to if they have their own, they're using our system and routing through us and connecting the other major nodes where they want to transact to. So we maybe look where, where their clients are actually sending to and from. And um, that's a big thing. We did announce uh, a few weeks back that we're providing, uh, we're building in liquidity, helping provide liquidity to Breeze as an example. Um, that's that's public information. So we're actually working with the, those two teams are working on Telegram and, and directly setting up so that they can they can get liquidity through our network uh, for the users as they need it. And those are the kind of things that um, we, we see playing out there. Uh, but in terms of where it will go and as the network matures, uh, right from our analytics background, you know, we'll continue to gather what data we have, which is open and, and non-user identifiable, just network information. And ultimately we want to try to build, uh, you know, some type of, I hate to use the word AI, machine learning, but certainly we want to use some dynamic um, data analysis that allows us to have a much smarter network than anybody else and certainly give us the insight of to where, where we need to, you know, redeploy or adjust uh, accordingly. And so that's actually in a roadmap for the tail end of 2022. And uh, really to try to make our, our portion of the network smarter than uh, um, just very useful. So we have less labor being involved in it and uh, it's more of a self-autonomous, so self-adjusting uh, a network and we may we may open source that if it, we feel it's uh it's good for the the industry it really depends where we're at in the product and um that's how we're going to tackle it yeah and and for the 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 amount of bitcoin you have now 150 um the total public capacity i think you mentioned before is, is 3,000 roughly um so there you have you have basically five percent of the total public capacity on lightning network how do you think like is it feasible to deploy all that now? Is it a waste if you put all 5% in at once? Or is it something you kind of have to build in over time? I think we're going to have to build over it. I don't have a direct answer for that. It's not, we just, we're just going to keep adding because that number will go up. So we want to maintain 5% and our goals, you know, at some point we want to get to 1,000 Bitcoin and beyond uh, as, as, our, as our company matures and our market cap matures and, and what have you. But uh, yeah, in terms of how we deploy it, you know, we're just going to start deploying uh, uh, in major nodes and, uh, and and assess it as it comes up through the teams or look at the numbers and say, okay, this is what makes sense for now. And for now, we'll leave the, leave the rest in the treasury until we see the network continue to mature. But at some point, there will be this inflection where uh, I, I really feel that footprint is the number one thing that we care about. Even if their nodes are out there and they're not generating a lot, we just have to have the footprint out there and the usability and help support the network and, and, and be in place so that we can continue to, one, drive the adoption of the Lightning Network by making it you know, just a better, a better network, and also just be ready for that inflection point where, uh, where one day it, it continues to take off and uh, it hits that inflection point where it's unstoppable, right? Yeah. Now, as you're starting to see payments come in and out of your nodes and, and just like move across the network, as you're getting more like visibility into that, has anything surprised you in the in the first kind of couple months of of being a node operator with Liquid? Sorry about that. Um, no, not really per se. I mean, that's certainly, you know, there's a lot of small, there's a lot of retail players in the space. Um, you know, I think it's, um, it, what's not really surprising me, it just kind of, it just reconfirmed that, especially being down in El Salvador at the last conference that, you know, liquidity, and we call ourselves an LSP and we really are, we are 
our Lightning Network service provider. But at the end of the day, we're actually more like a liquidity as a service and and the need for it. And just, and just really reaffirming that that's so important for us. Um, and that's what we're seeing on the network. And that's really, it, it's really helped validate our model and certainly how allowed us to focus in and to say yeah, we're strictly B2B and on, on, the, on the platform side, on the liquidity side. And, uh, and, and certainly the trip down to El Salvador, we just reaffirmed all of the, what we were thinking that, you know, lightning liquidity as a service is where we will go. That's what everybody needs. Um, and it's the problem that has to be solved. And there's lots of opportunity to make a, a tremendous impact and make a lot of money doing it and, and create a lot of value. Um, so that's, that's where we're going to focus. Right. What did you learn from your trip down to El Salvador? I, I had spoken with, um, uh, Ellen Markets uh, co-founder on a previous episode, and he mentioned that there was a kind of a Chivo was not the best solution right now. It, there was a lot of bugs and, and issues with it in El Salvador. From being on the ground, did you did you learn anything about how El Salvador is using the Lightning Network today? Any pain points? Yeah, I had some people there that were there. They, you know, some locals there that were able to show me the wallet and and and, and talk about um, even just the liquidity needs that are going on there. Uh, I, I still think it's just amazing that they've had 3 million downloads and yes, they've had issues, but it's been pretty, pretty amazing to roll that many people that quickly on a network and it's actually worked fairly well. I have no doubt that it'll continue to improve and hopefully at some point they'll, they'll open source more of their, you know, their liquidity revision and where, where else it's going. But I think right now they're just trying to keep it settled down so they can, they can uh, maintain a, um, mature that product and, and what have you and no other wallets will come to play within the network itself and so I, I i don't really have much to say beyond that just to, you know it's it's a big job i can only imagine having practically an instant rollout of three million people uh, within a short period of time and then and trying to add on, on a network which is still not at its point where it's a mature network yet it's still early days and relatively early days it's getting more mature all the time so um and we used it to buy beer, used to buy different things down there. It was definitely exciting to see Lightning Network as it's uh, as it's being used in the, uh, the sort of self sovereignty money and uh, the education down there for people. They're gonna, they're you know, some like it, some don't like it. There's certainly a lot of unknown, a lot of questions. Um, it, you know, they've been sort of dropped into the middle of Bitcoin. If for anybody who's been in, in, in the Bitcoin experience, it may take you you know some time to figure out the the value and what it's all about. Um, some faster than others, but certainly. Uh, there's a lot of people there that, that that still have a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's been really impressive to watch how how El Salvador has kind of gone from zero to 100 on this. And I think still to this day, I've been checking App Store rankings for a while, and for at least a month, maybe more, since uh, El Salvador launched uh, Bitcoin as legal tender, Achivo was the number one wallet or number one app in the entire App Store. Like not just finance; it was like across the board the most popular app. So definitely got a lot on their plates over there. Um, I have a question about uh, how you see kind of lightning custody working. Like, do you think that over time people will primarily be using custodial services? Will it be non-custodial? Is it a, is it a mix of the two? What's your thinking like on, on that issue? Yeah. So, I mean, certainly a mix of the two and some people just, they don't care if it's decentralized or not. They just simply, it's, it works. They don't have the knowledge, but we really see that the long-term future is as decentralized. We're definitely in alignment with uh, the way that Reese thinks about the network and Roy and the team there. Uh, it, it is the future, especially for um, you know, developing nations. 
where you want to have self-sovereignty and you want to you know get away from the, the currency which is eroding daily uh, you need to have the decentralized self so that that is the future and it's going to be the future and it, ultimately the lightning network is um it, it is the future payment and, and banking rails of the world and a lot of stuff's going to be built off of it and it's going to give wall street and this actually gets down to some of our philosophies and when we talk about bitcoin and we talk about uh, we get asked and i've been at lectures and i like to ask the one question you know what is very simple what is bitcoin and you always get the same answers i was like oh it's a it's a value network it's a payment network it's a transfer network well it's being used for those things but actually those answers in some ways are incorrect at its core bitcoin is a trust protocol it is it's the trust layer to the internet's layer eight to the seven layer osi stack and and when you if you understand that and you start to look at it from that perspective and realize that it, you know trust is its first use case i mean trust is what it actually is money is its first use case and a massive use case just like email is a tremendous use case in the 90s and the first iteration of the internet and it it's gone way way beyond that and same thing will happen bitcoin will go way way beyond that as effects and trust around the world and and we use this trust network not just for money not for payment payments but all also for anything requiring digitized trust, whether it be uh, land deeds and um, you know, real estate and voting, what have you, but it's going to going to actually affect the world in that in that perspective is because you have now an, an open trust blockchain, a more agnostic trust protocol that's running around the world. And, uh, and and money at the end of the day, money's trust, right? So we, we see this in, I, I, in terms of um, trying to get my book wrapped up. It's called Trust on the Rise of Bitcoin. Not to promote it here, but 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 in, in there we have the the the, the concepts there that um, you know why why is the world mired in some of the problems we have right now? I mean, we have these problems, same countries and the same problems that last you know 50, 60, 70, 80 for as long as I can remember. And ultimately, it gets down to gets down to corruption, and they have a lot of corruption in their countries, and nobody can get ahead there unless you're really corrupt. And and then if you send money in, often it gets siphoned off and stolen, and, and doesn't go to the right places. And how do you how do you actually correct that? And this actually gets down to my one of my other theories is called um, intellectual imperialism. So imperialism never died, never went away. We just morphed into strip mining intellectual capacity from developing nations by offering them a better life in Canada and America, uh, and we take their best and brightest, and, and we leave them with their third stringers and not their best and brightest. And uh, and and one of the reasons they come over here is because they know they can get ahead because it's not as corrupt. And it's a much more level playing field uh, with democratic governments, and uh, and so the hope is with you know if we look at Bitcoin as a trust protocol and Lightning Network as the scaling solution, uh, that will now over the course of thirty years be able to affect how trust is done in these nations through a, through an open an open trust network that runs that will run multiple things not just money but also great insight to uh, data markers that represent data timestamps for. Uh, you, know, different, you know, land deeds, transactions, different types of things that anything requiring trust so that there's much more clarity and insight going on in these nations and you can reduce the corruption that's there and give people less reason to leave. And you know, ultimately, bad people do bad things when they know they can get away with it. And if you shine a light on, on things, uh, often there's, uh, you know, people aren't willing. That's why we send the United Nations into different war-torn countries because once people are there, there's less likely to be fighting or atrocities because somebody's watching. And so this is what these these countries need in order to help reduce corruption. And I think we're really planting those seeds um, that will grow into big oaks over the next two, three generations and turn that ship around by creating a, a more level playing field through technology as the internet continues to morph around the world. It's about a 92% penetration in the United States and Western nations, about 46% in the rest of the world. And so it's still rolling out. And this everything we see here, Bitcoin, and, and is just 
the continuation of the revolution of the internet that was started in the 50s and really morphed into the web as we know it uh, and, and and continuing forward. So yes, we have the big hope about how we're going to you know fix the money, fix the world, but uh, we can go beyond that and fix trust and, mm -hmm. and actually change these nations and raise them up the corruption index so that they have less corruption and uh, and change their fortune. So that that's part of the motivation we get up in the morning. Yeah. Do you have uh, do you have any predictions as to which country may be the first or, or the next uh, after El Salvador to step up and kind of like embrace Bitcoin and embrace this new kind of trust layer? Uh, I'd have to layer? say I have to say another Central American country because they're all looking there. I think uh, what I've heard there is you know the president of El Salvador is very popular in other countries around in the area. Uh, so you could have Nicaragua or Guatemala immediately trying to get into the space so they see it and they could just continue to. So it would seem natural their neighbors. If they see success, they're going to want that success too. Uh, and then, so that's, that would be where my money is if I had to bet, um, which we are, <laughs> and, and, but certainly, you know, Nigeria is you know, a possibility and other, other nations down there in Africa are possibilities as well. But I'd have to say neighbors to El Salvador are the ones that are going to first catch the uh, Bitcoin fever and, and, uh, allow it to spread. Interesting. Um, I got another couple questions for you on lightning specifically um so from my perspective when i just you know listen to what people are talking about on twitter i, I see it seems like there are a couple of main schools of thought as to how lightning nodes are going to work in the future um one being that you know this is going to be like a hobbyist thing that if you want to participate and run your own node you can um you can do it from home you can do a little umbral setup um, but maybe it's going to be a niche thing and it's maybe not going to be um, for everyone. And maybe maybe the kind of motivation there is uh, is profit from routing fees or something like that. And then there's the other kind of school of thought that is like, no, we can put a we can put a node in every home in the same in the same way we put an Internet router in every home. Um, and we're starting to see some like some of the uh, umbral uh, updates lately have been, um, you know, geared towards not just a Bitcoin node, but more of like a personal server and becoming like a, a hub for um, for storing all your data and, and value. How do you think about nodes um, over time? Is this something that grows to, to where everyone has one? Is this something that Liquid participates in? Or is this something that is kind of going to be confined to a more niche hobbyist audience over time? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I like Umbrella, by the way. I run it my, my one of my Linux machines at home. Uh, it's very cool, and it, it's certainly you know it's going to be it appeals to the hobbyists and the, and the technologists that are, that are there. But I do see as you have, uh, you'll probably have a hybrid. People will continue to run it, just like Bitcoin mining. If you, if you like it before, you're probably still running it at home, or maybe you're part of a pool. Um, but ultimately, it became you know the domain of you know uh, serious companies that are in the space, um, and of course that's. Because of proof of work and the kind of hash rate and capital that's required with it, and the different the lay network doesn't necessarily have that. Uh, but as you're going to bring more institutional money, institutional Bitcoin, let's say MicroStrategy want to put its, some of its Bitcoin on the Lightning network, they're going to they may either either run their own stuff that's possible, but more likely they may partner with companies that are seasoned, uh, mature companies, um, and that have a certain level of professionalism that they're going to demand in the audit of it and those types of things. So you'll see a hybrid going forward, but I do see a more professional, um, the, the, as a network mature, you see more professional companies continue to move into the space and, uh, and, and, and establish points of presence and, more, and, 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 and create um, 
uh, you'll give people a lot of confidence in the network and they'll bring they'll bring their resources and and there might be more centralization than we'd like um so we hope to see you know more hobbyists continue to stay on the network and continue to do that and, and i think both would be great solutions but i do see a lot of uh, you know as it matures certainly professional companies coming in and bringing that uh their abilities to it and uh, as it, as the network matures there's more yield on it and more opportunity um yeah you mentioned centralization is there a threshold at which that becomes important of uh, centralization where it becomes a it becomes an issue yeah like do you have a threshold in mind of like what is what is too centralized or what is what is decentralized enough oh that that's a great question i don't have a number specific for that but i think anything more than uh, you wouldn't want to have any company have any more than 10 percent uh, i think that would be dangerous for the network i think you know if it's between two and five for for a major company that's significant enough already but yeah, you look at even just the hosting space and, and what have you and, and we we could talk about this and you know is it decentralized is it not there's a lot of lightning nodes running on amazon you know just like uh, uh there's a lot of uh smart contracts running off of Infura, which, which i believe runs on amazon and so there's there's you know, unfortunately a lot of stuff is still interconnected and always will be because that's kind of the nature of the internet uh as it is however uh it's it may be decentralized enough and which is is all we care about you know there's enough places around the world enough different networks enough different uh, um, use cases and users with different motivations uh where you have that natural push pull uh which is kind of like democracy democracy is messy oh you, you you know we have this push pull and it drives everybody nuts ultimately at some point we find our way to the, the moment of truth where it should be and it may vacillate between the two extremes but um, um you know it, it gets to where it needs to be and so we'll see we'll see push pull on the network and and uh, we just have to keep driving forward until we do we find our golden mean, as Aristotle would say. Yeah. Okay. One more for you on Lightning. Um, no one knows this for sure, I guess. But if you had to take a guess today, how much volume do you think is flowing through the Lightning network? Oh boy, that is a, that is a great question. Because we talked about the other, but like, how do you how do we get gates that we don't know? No one will know. Um, if I had to look at, it, I'd say north of a billion. A billion on an annual basis. Right now, I think that's that's just sort of a wild guess. I say, you know, you're lucky at you know three thousand Bitcoin. You got a bunch of transaction volume. You have private nodes. They have exchanges doing things. Why not a billion? Yeah, it's uh, it's possible, and maybe be able to extrapolate some of the fees and stuff like that. As we get a bigger footprint, we may get a better idea of some numbers that we could. See sort of say, well, based upon our nodes running around the world, this is what we see. If we extrapolate it for, we can kind of have a better guesstimation of what we think the overall volume is, but it will accelerate quickly. And I see it being this, you know, the, the Lightning Network being a trillion dollar network uh, at yeah. some point and, and massive amounts of transaction volume going through it. And it is true open architecture, um, as Andreas likes to say, and ultimately represents that real last mile solution. Um, that is effectively unstoppable. It is, it is the sound of inevitability. It is the internet. You can't fight the internet. Uh, it's very difficult. And you know, we, we've heard all this bluster before because I've been in the internet for a long time since the '90s, and, and I remember you know governments back then saying, "Oh well, we didn't they didn't like the internet because it eventually came off and, was, and, and criminals got onto it very quickly. They got onto it very quickly because it was great for for e-commerce. <laughs> it was super useful for communication. Uh, but it wants you know law enforcement regulars got a little bit of a handle on it." It continued to morph and, and hit an inflection point where it was unstoppable. And of course, you still heard Wall Street. I mean, uh, Washington, you know, and congressmen and senators are like, well, we should tax it. We should ban it. We should do all these things. Everything you just heard about Bitcoin. 
and it's uh, most of it, you know, is just bluster and storing political points. They have no idea what they're talking about. The term ends, they're gone, and, and uh, the internet just kept marching along. And when you see that Bitcoin is an extension of the internet, the same thing's playing out. And so you've heard that you've heard all the no, it's it's all for criminals. It's all for this. It's all for that. Uh, you couldn't get a bank account back in the day for a dot com company, or if you took a visa online, visa would take your terminal away. And uh, it's all morphed again. The same thing going on for Bitcoin, and we're at that point where we're almost like you know Coinbase went public last year, and then uh, earlier this year, and I guess Google went public in 2004. We're kind of that 2000 for 2005 moment. We're heading towards uh, that iPhone moment is coming. It feels like it feels like we'll have this um, liquidity and challenge balancing issue solved in a year and a half to two years, and suddenly um, it'll be lights out, and it'll be uh, the race. The race will be on in a really huge way. So. Um, it's funny what's what's old is new again, and it's it's, uh, it, it's coming full circle. But you know, at the end of the day, and and, and we you know you even had Wall Street there talking about you know the same thing's gonna play out where you're gonna see a lot a bunch of banks and a bunch of institutions get get smoked by internet companies by some of these uh, uh, Bitcoin companies are coming up that are basically are gonna morph into financial institutions and and they have a way better you know, they're 10x in terms of how they can operate. In terms of efficiency, and and and, um, and and they're so much better than these legacy institutions who have been very late to the game, and uh, some of them will will die, some of them will morph, some of them have, have managed to hang in there and they'll they'll stay relevant. But um, just as you know, e-commerce was just done a lot of the stuff was decimated in the in the 2000s. Bitcoin is coming for the next phase of uh, these type of companies who are who are uh, in need of in need of rapid change. I mean, in fact, I was at a a few years back, I was at a, a, a private lecture for a bunch of bankers. I remember there's like 30 bankers in there. It's in New York. And uh, I asked, what do you think your your your, your risk is with uh, with Bitcoin? And they're like, well, it's all about compliance and money and, and, and money laundering. And we're like, companies like ours and others already solve that. Right? That's not an issue. We create the reporting that you need. And you need the reporting, and they do, because as, as companies, they if they don't have the reporting, it puts them in a – puts the board of directors, makes them personally liable if there's an issue, right? So we already saw that. Your issue right now is actually it's inaction because you don't understand that Bitcoin is an extension of the internet. And, and now, uh, how long do you think it's going to be until Google and Facebook and Twitter and Apple wake up and realize that they can get into banking and they have the Bitcoin and Lightning Network to do it? And it's the perfect medium. And it's just an extension of the internet that they are already the lords and masters of. And they have unlimited funds and they have last mile access to everybody's phones. And the biggest thing that they have, most important thing that they have armies of developers born and bred into a culture of disruption who love to move fast, break things. And they will are looking at Wall Street and the banking industry and they want to turn it on its head. And they have the perfect medium. The trust layer of the internet is now in place and they can do it. So you right now you're in the pole position because you have banks, you have, you have clients and, and, and your bankers, you understand the industry, but the sands are eroding. So it's coming. And it's back then you probably have five to 10 years, but you're going to be going head to head with Silicon Valley. And it's coming. It's coming faster than we think. And um, you know, it's going to be a big, big, big shakeup, but we'll, yeah. we'll sit in the yeah. middle there as a, as liquid LQWD and we're going to sit in the middle there and uh, provide liquidity and build out our stuff there and let them all use the lightning network and we'll just take our fees along the way. So that's our, that's our objective. Yeah. I actually saw an interesting, uh, an interview with the Stripe co-founder, uh, I think calls in John or Patrick, I can't remember. Um, and he actually mentioned lightning network as something they're already looking at and i thought that was kind of interesting that um it does seem that that the giant corporations are, are starting to wake up to uh you know especially them as a payments company um it makes sense that they're kind of thinking about that but um, yeah absolutely so yeah it's uh, it'll be interesting to see and it's uh, 
just a matter of time. So we're just going to, as a company, we're just going to keep moving forward and stay up right. You need to, you know, as we can buy more Bitcoin and, and build our footprint and be aggressive in the space and, uh, and uh, wait for the inflection point to carry us up faster than anything else. That's our strategy and we're going to, we're going to stay focused on it. Right. So let's wrap this up and uh, maybe we can, we can just cover your roadmap, where people can find you and um, yeah, we can go from there. Absolutely. So our roadmap, we talked a little bit about it. We're going to continue to roll out. Uh, we, we roll out our initial routing nodes. We're going to put, continue to put more Bitcoin on these routing nodes. We're actually setting up, uh, we, we spoke with uh, some people, Lightning Labs in terms of the uh, um, setting up routing nodes as a cluster and high availability. So we're, we're, we're making some adjustments there. So we have really high, super high availability. So it allows us to deploy more of our Bitcoin and be more aggressive on that front there. Uh, and then from there, we're going to just build out channels and, and routes and deploy stuff around the world as we can. Uh, that's that's our number one focus. And what we care about, our only metric is, you know, how many how many nodes we have, how many routes we have, and how many transactions we're processing. That's the only metric we care and the acceleration of that. Um, and so we have, you know, we had a great team. We've, uh, we've continued to attract some fantastic talent, uh, which we're very, very grateful for because you're only as good as your team. And uh, people can find us at uh, Liquid Fintech, LQWDFintech.com. That's our website. And we're LQWD on the Toronto Venture Exchange. And if you have any questions, please reach out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Anstey. And uh, happy to answer any questions. And if we want, uh, you know, we love our shareholders and we have some great shareholders who believe in our vision and uh, have supported us on uh, past ventures, supporting us now. And we're going to continue to work on executing very well for them. Awesome. Learned a ton from this conversation. Thanks so much for the time and uh, hope we can do this again soon. Great, Kevin. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. Welcome to the lightning round. This is your opportunity as a listener to send in any questions, send in any comments, um, suggest guests for future episodes, whatever it is, you can send messages over the lightning network using any lightning podcasting apps like fountain. There are a few others. Um, and I will read off all those questions on the show in this segment. Um, it's only been about three days since I posted the last episode. Um, and actually in that time, I have received a record number of payments, tips, boosts from listeners. So thank you everyone who sent a few sats my way. Special shout out to at Corrado on Fountain uh, for sending in 446 sats. That was the largest tip of the last few days. Um, and throughout the, the last uh, 60 or so uh, payments, there were no messages for the last few days, so I thought I'd do something a little bit different and just give a quick shout out to a Lightning app that I've been using quite frequently in the last few weeks. Um, that is called Stacker News. Uh, it's kind of a Reddit style or Hacker News style forum um, built with Lightning Network integrated into it, where instead of upvoting comments by clicking and, and kind of like voting with a click, you're voting with sats. So it costs one sat to create a comment or create a post, and then you and other users can upvote content as you see fit. And the creator or the curator actually gets to receive those uh, sats as tip. And so, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I've been playing around with it. I've been uh, posting a few items in Stacker News, and uh, I think I've done about 25 posts now and I've earned about 500 sats for it. Uh, so a pretty cool little application. Um, it is already a high signal forum. I find it to be as high or higher signal than 
Reddit or Hacker News. Um, it's very it's very curated towards uh, Bitcoiners and Lightning Lightning Network enthusiasts specifically. Um, so if you're into that, check out Stacker News. Um, pretty cool site and an opportunity to earn a few extra sats. If you have any other questions for me, you can send them over the Lightning Network. Uh, I will be reading them all off on next week's episode. Looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say and see you next week.